What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard, a little bit delayed edition of The Yard. I actually wanted to wait until after the Jim Moorhead press conference, and then I got hung up talking to people about the press conference and other things and uh, tried to get you guys some information. So I apologize for being tardy. I know some of you like to have a little Boneyard action now, for lunch, you're on the ride home on uh, Monday. So I apologize for that. I really, really do. I'm going to have Facebook Live on Tuesday and Friday. I had hoped to do it tonight with the uh, Mississippi State changing the media schedule this week. We ordinarily do Facebook Live shows on Monday and then one day later in the week. But we're going to do Tuesday because today we're going to do all of our media opportunity for football tonight. So we'll get offensive and defensive players, coaches, everything tonight. There will be no media availability Tuesday or Wednesday. There'll also be no home basketball Tuesday or Wednesday. So we are, uh, you know, pretty much kind of flying loose without a net for a while. But all the talking about the egg ball will take place today, and then we'll filter that comment out here, those comments out over the course of the next couple of days. So Facebook Live show on the two four seven, the Bulldogs two four seven Facebook page. Tuesday night, we're going to go 8 p.m. Friday night, 8 p.m. For all those that can't get dates, we'll do Facebook Live on Friday. That'll be a good post-Egg Bowl deal. Friday could be a memorable memorable day. My hope is that Thursday is a memorable night. I've had a lot of Thanksgivings in my day. I've had a lot of great Thanksgiving dinners. I remember the Thanksgiving Egg Bowls that we won. I cherish them above all. They mean more to me than any pecan pie I've ever eaten. And I've always been able to say that. But I want to thank you guys for being with us today. Bulldog Burger Company, absolutely the best place to go break bread here in Starkville and anywhere in the Golden Triangle proper, to be honest with you. Love the spring rolls. Uh, took the kids last week. We had the spring rolls and we had the chicken wings as the appetizer. Kind of shook it up a little bit. I did get the Lauren. But I think I'm about to try something else. I'm going to kind of get get back around 
you know, uh, to some old favorites. The Pimentology ad bacon is always a great one. The Smokehouse is good. You need to find your own favorites. But if you're just looking for a great, and I mean great, restaurant quality hamburger, the Bulldog is the way to go. The absolute best way to go, get the Bulldog. But if you want to walk on the wild side, which I am very much in favor of, get the mission, maybe get the Pico de Gallo on the side so you can kind of control your Pico de Gallo distribution. But now Bulldog Burger Company has two locations to serve you. Starkville and now Tupelo. Starkville and University, Tupelo on Gloucester Street. The place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T, Bulldog Burger Company. Glad you're aboard with us today. Uh, let's review the weekend real quick here. We'll talk about uh, the Mississippi State game. We had some great basketball games. I, listen, I know some of you guys are still not listening, but I'm going to say it again. This Mississippi State men's basketball team, fun to watch. Fun to watch. Most of you had a chance to watch them play on TV over the last you know few days. Now you see what I'm talking about. That's why you need to be at Humphrey Coliseum. We're going to need your voice. We're going to need you stamping your feet. We're going to need you booing the opponent. We're going to need you in the stands as Mississippi State gets into conference play. I'm telling you, this is a fun basketball team. We'll talk about that a little bit more. We're going to get into some football. Listen, Mississippi State took care of business Saturday. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't. I was disappointed the first two series, too, because I'm thinking, okay, we're going to win this ball game 50 to 7 or something like that or 62 to 10 and uh let's go ahead and knock them out here in the first quarter and then we won't have to worry about anything in the second half we can just kind of put our feet up and watch the kids play right well that's not what happened it took a lot longer than it should have and and I, and I mentioned this too on David Murray and I's post game wrap up and and uh and I got a couple of comments from some people that, that I'm I'm that I'm confident never lettered in anything, to borrow a phrase. Uh, I don't care who you are, where you're from. Nobody is ever motivated to go out there and play in the cold rain. Not making excuses for anybody. But we looked like we didn't want to go play football the first two series of that ball game. Seven nothing after the first quarter. Let's run it down here real quick. You know, we put a couple things together, and we couldn't finish drives. So we come out, we try to establish the running game. Colin goes for five, then Colin goes for 19. At that point, I said, you know what? Colin's fixing to run these dudes out of the county. We're incomplete to Farad. Colin goes for 11. Colin loses two. We're complete to Dedrick for a one-yard gain. Then we're incomplete, and then we punt from the 38-yard line. I don't understand what we're doing there. I didn't expect to kick a field goal there. I know it's third and 11, but we're at the 38. I would have gone for it, but that's just me. But we don't. It's first drive of the ball game, and I also understand, too, you give them the ball around your own 40-yard line, their 40-yard line, give them some uh, plus field position, and give them a chance to kind of believe a little bit. But I, I, I guess I'm one of these folks, I just kind of have such a tremendous amount of disrespect for these FCS opponents. I would have had enough belief in my defense. You know what? We're going to go here. We're going to go. Matter of fact, we might even throw to the end zone. But we're going to go make, try to make a play here. Abilene Christian comes out. Defensively, State plays really well. You got four plays, negative three yards. The drive ends on a sack by Chauncey Rivers for 13 yards. And really, we got a lot of push from both sides. Thought we did a really good job there. And granted, again, 
this is an FCS opponent. So if you hear me say anything positive about them, I am not praising the opponent. I am just explaining what happened in the ballgame. Uh, Sean Preston had had the first defensive tackle of the ballgame. Sean Preston, making his first college start, led Mississippi State in tackles, played in place of the, the injured C.J. Morgan. I expect Marcus Murphy to play in that position this week. But Preston started, and he is a guy that is kind of quietly putting together a good run at Mississippi State kind of behind the scenes. Bob Shoup thinks he has the potential to be a starter and certainly be a regular two-deep guy next year. Errol Thompson uh, had a quarterback hurry on that one, so we were getting some pressure early. And and listen, I expected that because, quite frankly, we should have been able to out-athlete them. They punt. We get the ball at the 44. We're thinking, okay, let's go cash in. So, yeah, we didn't look good that first series. Cowan ran hard, but we couldn't finish. Tommy wasn't especially crisp. Receivers weren't especially crisp. But let's go put the second one in. We didn't. Cowan runs for loss of two. Then Tommy gets loose for 13. We're incomplete to Gidry, incomplete to Gardner. One of those, I know, Gidry had, I think, four drops on a night. The one to Gardner was on Tommy. You know, Gardner actually makes a good attempt there to make the play. But uh, Tommy throws the ball low there. And then we're incomplete to Farad Green and uh, Tommy's you know, rush there. But it's three straight incompletions. And, and through the first two drives, and I think it's important to go back and look at this, uh, Tommy Stevens 0 for 4. Oh, pardon me. Pardon me. Pardon me, Tommy. 1 for 6 to open the ball game. 1 for 6. The one completion was for 1 yard to Dedrick Thomas. So he's 1 for 3 on the first drive and then 0 for 3 on the second. So we're 1 for 6 for 1 yard through two drives. Our students began to boo. I'm not a big fan of booing their own team, okay? I'm not. I'm not. But I kind of felt it too. I didn't boo. I didn't. But when you guys are booing, I kind of said, you know, yeah, I kind of feel that too. I was disappointed too. You kind of like, you know, we got to wake up. We can't keep sleepwalking through these first quarters. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah, it's a little bit misty. But you know what? You get a lot of fans out here that had a lot of better things to do to come out here and watch you stink up the field. And so they're going to boo some. And they did. Again, not a fan of it, but I understand it. Defensively, we're playing great again. This time, another three and out, right? Another three and out. They get a one-yard drive, punt the ball back. Another bad, 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 bad punt. Out of bounds at the ACU 35. So, again, you know, if I can look for some silver lining here, we are beginning to win the battle of field position. We bring in Nick Gibson, and, man, God bless Nick Gibson. I really like that kid. I always have. And uh, he, he has had his best year as a Bulldog this year. I'm happy to see him have some success. And this is a drive where he certainly had some. Nick goes for 13. Nick goes for nine. Tommy goes for seven. Nick for two. Nick for four. Touchdown, baby. And every, and that's the thing you hear there. It's a positive gain every single time. And that's because I really felt like even though we were playing behind a patchwork offensive line, it took a couple of series for them to settle. And then we began to kind of, showed the difference between the strength and conditioning programs. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we okay, we're, we're SEC athletes. You guys wanted to be, but you weren't quite long enough, talented enough, big enough. And so on this particular drive, we're not going to get cute. We're just going to line up and get behind that big offensive line, and we're going to run to the end zone. And that's exactly what happened. Seven-nothing. Then we kind of get a little cute, 
And uh, defensively, it seemed like we we got the lead, and rather than have our killer instinct, it's like we did. We just got we got a little discombobulated. I don't know if we lost a little focus here because we think, well, okay, now that we've scored, we'll go ahead and put this thing away. And to be fair, I don't know how anybody in Mississippi State football right now could assume anything. I'm not trying to suggest they do, but you got to stay in here and, and be focused. Well, the next thing you know, they put together you know, an eight play drive and they only net 22 yards because you had some, some things happen. You know, you had, uh, you had, you had it, the, the, the penalty on Kobe Jones, you know, that's one of those ones you look at too. We've got them in third and seven. We're about to go make something happen. You've got to be able to, to, to stay disciplined there. So Kobe gives them the gift of the down. They don't convert, but then they bring in the running quarterback on third and two and they convert to extend the drive. Defense does stand tall there. We get out of the deal, but it just seemed like we should have been off the field a little bit more. And listen, penalties are part of the game. I understand that. I'm not trying to say that I expect us to play perfect, but I do expect us to play clean. And that's a disciplinary thing. When it's third and seven and you're still looking down the line, you can't get caught up with the inflection of the quarterback's voice and get baited. And that happened a couple times. So we begin the second quarter, and Mississippi State has the football right out there at the ACU 45 again. Again, it's a bad punt that we're gifted good field position. We're complete to Dante Jones for five, and I think he is an underutilized member of Mississippi State's football team. Dante Jones, very good after the catch. Very long, catch-radius guy. Colin Hill goes for one. Colin goes for ten. We're incomplete to Javante Payton. Gibson goes for five. We're complete to Farad for 13. We're complete to Dedrick for 11. Touchdown. Touchdown. So now, you know, as bad as we started in the first quarter passing, we come back this time, you know, this particular drive, we go three for four, and uh, including touchdown pass to Dedrick Thomas. Farad Green has been really good after the catch as well. And I like how we're beginning to kind of use him on some of that play action stuff. We're kind of getting him kind of hold there freeze the backer, and then we flow the opposite direction and then get him out into the flats there. And uh, I like the play design there. But against a good drive, it's 14 nothing. I think everybody in the stadium felt like, okay, that's probably enough. Aveline Christian comes back, puts together a short drive again, four plays, 21 yards. It's another punt. This time they're able to get us pinned back deep. And uh, that's not what happens, though. And at this point, this is when I think that there was – this removed all doubt in the ball game. There was no question at this point Mississippi State was about to put it away. As we run the little wrinkle where Tommy, and this is all set up because Tommy's able to run the, the ball effectively. And he, I think Tommy now is a much considered more of a plus runner now. He used to run just enough to keep you honest. But now he is a real weapon in the run game. And because of that, as Joe Moorhead so um, you know colorfully described in postgame, you put the middle linebacker in conflict because Tommy starts the little the duck, you know, like he's about to duck and run there. Well, the backer bites up and it clears some space for Kylan to clear basically on the old angle route there. And you dump it off to Kylan because you're in a split safeties look there. You have the receivers run those guys off. You know, they, they pull those guys up with route routes or curl routes. And the next thing you know, Kylan is, is running wide open. It was a very well-designed play and an extremely well-executed play. We talk a lot about execution. This is one where the Bulldogs get it right. It's a one-play, 88-yard drive, the longest touchdown of Colin Hill's career. We make the extra point there, and it's 21 to nothing. 
I thought then we were going to be able to, you know, hey, we're going to go ahead and put this thing away. And then Abilene Christian put together a very, very, very solid drive. They get uh, second and 10 at the state 27. They bring in a passing quarterback, and it's intercepted by Jaquarius Landrews, returned to the 13. They call us for an illegal block in the back. And I, I listen, I, I'm not a fan of Ken Williamson's crew. I, I think they're I think they're awful, uh, to, to put it mildly. I think Ken Williamson's crew is the worst crew in the Southeastern Conference. And this is what happens when you play poorly. When you are playing an, an FCS team and you're a four and six team, they're not gonna send the better crew. And so you get saddled with this joke of a crew of Ken Williamson's. Uh, they're the ones I asked you if you remember, they, they blew the Dedrick Thomas block in the back call against Alabama. Uh, you know, Jeff Batts no longer in the league as, a, as an official. But that's the crew, of course. It's get, it normally has Rob Skelton, but uh, it's been a little bit different this year. But you get the block in the back. I don't know if it was a legit call or not. I didn't go back and look. But this is a flag-happy crew. This is a crew that takes things personally. This is a crew that constantly has something smart to say. And you can hear them on the sidelines, you know, lecturing players. It's ridiculous. But this is what happens when you're four and six. You get the, you get the trash TV crews. You get the trash officiating crews. So you kind of put yourself in a bad situation. You create your own bad fan experience by going four and six. I'm eager to see who we have uh, Thursday night. Then we put together a drive here, and guess what? Worst drive of the night. Tommy Stevens completed to Colin Hill for a loss of two yards. Bad read by Tommy. Tommy sacked for a five-yard loss, and we're incomplete to Stephen Gidry. Gidry probably could have had the first down there. We ended up punting, 45-yard punt from Tucker. Uh, they're out around midfield, and then they put together their scoring drive. And again, all of this is kind of set up. We always talk about it's a team game. Well, the Mississippi State offense gets the, the ball at the nine-yard line. So you get you get them turned over here, and then we make a penalty, right? Rather than having a ball up around the 20, we're back inside the 10. And then we go three and out, lose yardage, and we punt on fourth and 17 from our own two. They get plus field position, and even a bad FCS team eventually will make you pay for that. They do. They put together a touchdown drive, and it's 21-7. to And I think at, at that point, any hope of uh, resting the starters for the, the full second half uh, were completely abandoned at that point. You come out, and uh, you know we, we put a drive together again, and we, we can't finish. We can't finish the drive. Colin Hill goes for six. Tommy completes Osiris for six. Osiris has be, kind of become a forgotten man in our offense. He's got to have a big night Thursday. We're complete to Stephen Gidry for eight. Tommy Stevens goes for 12. Now we're, we're, on, we're in plus territory on their side of the field. We're incomplete to Osiris, incomplete to Colin. We're complete to Dante for four. We call timeout with 34 seconds, and we go for it on fourth and six from their 39, as we should. We don't convert. We turn the ball over. They run out the clock. And so at the half, it's a 21-7 to ball game, and it felt like State was in complete control, but it didn't feel like State had played well. You know, it was, just, it was kind of a blah I tweeted that it was a blah half. You know, we, we basically had a chance to probably be up 35 nothing in this ball game. We weren't, but 21-7, we'll take it. Uh, they deferred, and so we kicked to them, and uh, they put together a decent drive. Just couldn't finish the drive. If you recall, they got in there on fourth and goal from our 10, 
and uh, the pass falls incomplete, and it's a great uh, play by Sean Preston there. Again, that's a guy we haven't talked a lot about this year, and a lot of people were concerned about the safety position. And I think when you begin to think about next year, you know, when you begin to think, you know, Fred Peters, Sean Preston, uh, Landon Gidry to a lesser extent, you know, he's a guy that I think uh, we, we probably hadn't had enough reps to get a real evaluation of him. Marcus Murphy, you begin to think, okay, we're, we're going to be able to put some guys out there with some talent. But that particular drive, you know, we're disappointed in the fact that they kind of got going there. If you remember, the, the key play on that drive is they uh, they hit the tight end, and uh, we elected to kind of just run with them down the sidelines. They go 52 yards on the very first play of the second half, and they're already right there knocking on the door in the red zone, right there at the, at the 23-yard line. And, uh, you know, the defense kind of stood tall. They would keep them out of the end zone. And then then at that point, I think we gave everybody a little bit of breathing room here. Tommy Stevens for two. Cowan goes for 11. And I, and I really thought Cowan ran angry, especially in the second half. Tommy completed for Rod for 11. Cowan goes for nine. Completed Dedrick for 16. Tommy Stevens goes for 30 and a touchdown. That made it 28-7. And I read that this was the second 30-yard run in as many games for Tommy Stevens. Again, he's becoming more of a plus runner, not just a guy to keep a defense honest. So 28-7, they put together another good drive, which is disappointing considering the fact that uh, we're coming out of halftime. we got a, a big lead here. The big play in the ball game was the sack by Nathan Pickering. First and 12 at their 42. Pickering uh, credited with the sack there. Essentially an intentional grounding play. But uh, and, you know, Pickering beginning to really find a sense of himself as a college player. I think that you've got a couple of, probably three professional defensive tackles on the roster right now. They're just beginning to kind of learn how to play at this level. And that's Fabian Lovett, Jaden Crumity, and Nathan Pickering. All those guys made some plays on Saturday. But they put, you know, it's a 13-play, 41-yard drive because we were able to get some negative plays there. Uh, But on fourth and seven, that was the disappointing play for me. Fourth and seven, we've got them backed up. And, uh, you know, chance, well, I see back that. We've got them fourth and seven at our 37. We got a chance to get off the field there. We don't. It's a 17-yard completion for a first down. And then things get a little loose there. We get the big sack uh, to put them back on, uh, you know, fourth and 24 from the 34 again, and they elect to punt. Uh, we come back out. We're incomplete to Stephen Gidry, and then we said that a lot. Uh, pass complete to Colin Hill for loss of two. Then there's a false start, and it just seemed like things were snowballing third and 12. And then Tommy gets loose for a 29-yard gain. I thought that was a big play in the ball game, not just because of the fact that uh, we needed to convert a third down, but because everybody is getting downfield, they're dropping in the zone, and we're thinking, thinking okay, Mississippi State's going to try to go ahead and need to run the draw player, dump his thing off. And then all of a sudden, Tommy gets loose. Thought he was going to be a much bigger play. It was a huge play. And we come back, Kylan goes for 17, Kylan goes for eight, then Nick goes for six. And a lot of that is a byproduct of the fact that now defenses have to account for Tommy Stevens as a runner. We open the fourth quarter. We're complete to Farad Green for six. Kylan goes for 17. We're incomplete to Green, incomplete to Green again. And then Kylan goes for two. We end up kicking the field goal. It is now a 31-7 ball game. ACU puts another decent drive together, and they're driving. They get on the Mississippi State side of the field. Fred Peters, with a big interception there, returns it. So that's a couple of your safeties with big turnover plays there to end drives. Need a little more of that for sure. 
Garrett Schrader takes over at quarterback, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter with uh, just under 11 minutes to go. Schrader goes for four. Schrader goes for five. Nick then goes for seven. We're complete to Austin Williams for no gain. Probably should have let that ball go. Probably should have thrown it away. So uh, Garrett was a little bit rusty there, threw it a little bit low. Garrett goes for two. Garrett goes for eight. Garrett goes for 12. Garrett goes for 16. It's crazy, man. I mean, this is a kid. He's um, Really, he's a one and two read quarterback. If it isn't there, he's going to go. He's a competitor. Witherspoon runs for 13. Then we're complete to Austin Williams for the touchdown. And one of the things that I loved about that Austin Williams touchdown catch, the thing I loved the most about it is that he got a six points. The number two thing I liked about it is that Austin Williams worked back to the football. Rather than sitting there waiting, allowing the defensive back a chance to get in there and rake it out, he works back to the football, works back to the quarterback, secures the catch, it's a touchdown. It's a great play on both ends by both Garrett Schrader and Austin Williams. There was no doubt about it. It's a 38-7 game. You begin to think, okay, we're just going to go ahead and salt this thing away. We don't. We go out there again. It's a three-play, five-yard drive for ACU, three and out. They punt. We fair catch it. We come right back. Garrett Schrader completed Javante Payton, probably the most acrobatic catch of the year. It was reviewed. I didn't think there was any question. They say the call stands. They should have said the call was confirmed. It was clear he had the ball, had his hand under the ball. It's a great effort by him. Schrader runs for eight. There is then a personal foul tacked onto that. Schrader goes for 10 for the touchdown. Garrett Schrader is the future of Mississippi State football. He is the guy. He will be the guy on the on the front of the media guide. He'll be the guy that uh, you know is in all the commercials and that sort of stuff. He is going to be the face of this program. There are a lot of people right now saying, hey, you know what? He ought to be starting the egg bowl. You know, and that and, and maybe that's that's fair. Maybe it is. I think it is safe to say Garrett Schrader is an unbelievably competitive player. Guy's going to do a lot of great things. A lot of great things by the time he's done here at Mississippi State. But Ellen Christian gets the ball back, and it's an uneventful drive, and uh, the, the game ends. And, uh, you know, Fred Peters, I thought, did some big things down the stretch. It was, uh, it was an interesting, interesting ball game for those guys, not for – the fact that we expected this ball game to be uh, competitive. But it was good to, to get some guys out there. You had some guys get banged up, but it's not, you know, there's not anything that's going to keep anybody out of the ball game. Joe Moore had told us earlier today that everybody would be available. The guys that, uh, there's nobody new that's injured, is what I'm trying to say there. So that Tyree Phillips went down, came back for a couple series in the second half. He's good. Looking at the stats here. Tommy Stevens, 13 of 27 for 165 yards and two touchdowns. That completion percentage is not great. There were seven drops in the ballgame. Seven drops in the ballgame would be a much different day statistically, would it not? Garrett Schrader, three for three, 40 yards and touchdown. Colin Hill goes for 153 yards on just 16 carries with a long of 22, averaging 9.6 yards per carry. Tommy Stevens, 88 yards on seven carries. Schrader, 65 on eight. Nick Gibson, 53 on eight. Witherspoon, 13 of just one. I would like to see Witherspoon get a lot more carries in that second half. All told, Mississippi State runs for 372 yards on 40 carries, averaging 9.3 yards a carry. If you're averaging nine yards a carry, why would you ever throw the football? But you got to throw it some to keep those safeties honest, right? Big night for sure. 
for those guys. Looking at defensive numbers, I mentioned Sean Preston. Sean Preston led the team with eight tackles in his first start in the Mississippi State uniform. Brian Cole, seven tackles. Tim Washington, seven. Jarian Jones with six. Martin Emerson with five. And a lot of that, too, can be kind of equated to the fact that Abilene Christian, kind of a pass-happy offense. They want to get the ball out in the flats. Leo Lewis with five. Aaron Brule with five. I continue to hear that Aaron Brule is going to be the next great linebacker at Mississippi State. And so that was good to know. You know, it's good to see him out there in action, kind of make some plays. But, uh, you know, we've got some some younger linebackers that are going to have to kind of transition in and do some good things. Uh, sacks. It seemed like State was in the backfield a lot, but uh, I guess what's four sacks total? You know, it's just, you know, they impacted the passing game. They, they influenced the passer, and they, they go 25 of 38 for 255 uh, with their starting quarterback. Overall, 25 of 42 for 255, one touchdown, a pair of interceptions, and sacked four times. But again, it's an FCS opponent. You're not going to learn a lot about your team in week 11 against an FCS opponent. It's just about getting a win, getting out of there for the most part unscathed from a health standpoint, and getting on to the next week. And and based, and I said this earlier on the, the video with Dave Murray now, a lot has been made about, okay, well, Ole Miss had the bye week. We didn't have a bye week. You know, based on how Mississippi State has played after a bye week this, this season, I am glad we did not have the bye week. Because we have come out in both ball games after a bye week and looked incredibly lethargic. If you saw the videos shortly after the ball game Saturday, the players are hyped up and ready to get an egg ball week. I don't know if our fans feel that way, but they should. One of the things that uh, I've looked at earlier, and I shared this with some folks, and I think they were somewhat surprised. I don't, I don't know if you guys know this, but maybe you do. Ole Miss, uh, 0-4 this year on the road. 0-4. They're, uh, they're three... There are three wins, Division One wins. That's Vanderbilt, what New Mexico and uh, or New Mexico State and uh, and Arkansas. Those three Division One wins all came against teams with defenses in the 100 plus category. Vanderbilt, the best defense they've defeated at 101. Yeah, they've made some plays in mop up time against some other opponents. They have. They have uh, schemed some people up and, and they're able to get some things going with the quarterback run. We're going to talk a whole lot more about that later in the week. But let's look around the league here, just in case you forgot. I know it's late in the day. You probably already know all this. But, of course, Alabama wins going away 66-3. Auburn 52-0 winners over Samford. Uh, Georgia 19-13 winners over A&M. Georgia defense is legit. That SEC championship game is going to be incredible. Kentucky 50 to 7, 50 to 7 winners over UT Martin, Kentucky now bowl eligible. 38 nothing is the score between Vanderbilt and East Tennessee State. LSU 56, Arkansas 20. It was a bit of a tussle for a quarter. And then Missouri loses to Tennessee. Man, has anybody underachieved like Missouri? You know, based on, and that's one of the things if you recall, early in the year, SEC Media Days, a lot of people had Missouri as the sleeper. Uh, they're five and six. And will travel to Fayetteville and try to get bowl eligible. And even with that, there is still not a guarantee that they will be in a bowl game. And that's one of the things I think is absolutely ridiculous is that Missouri filed an appeal 
about their bowl eligibility, and they have had to hang had that hang over their heads the entire year. They don't know if they win this week if they're going to be in a bowl game or not. They're still waiting to find out. That's there's no excuse for that. I don't know the thought process behind that, but they could have made a decision back in July. But here they are in the final week of the season, hoping to get bowl eligible with no guarantee of going to a bowl game. I would like to see Missouri in the bowl game, to be honest with you. I want as many six and six teams to make the bowl picture as possible. So let's look at a couple other things. We're going to get into uh, this week's schedule later in the week. We'll do that on the Wednesday show. I know all of you guys are, are eager to get the picks, but uh, it is rivalry week, as you guys are aware. Of course, State and Ole Miss will play Thursday. We've got Missouri at Arkansas Friday. Arkansas likes that Friday game, don't they, that post-Thanksgiving game. And then we've got Clemson at South Carolina, Georgia at Georgia Tech, Louisville at Kentucky, Alabama at Auburn, Vandy at Tennessee, A&M at LSU, Florida State at Florida. This is one of those weekends that I'm glad that Mississippi State plays on Thursday. So every one of us can sit around and watch rivalry football on Saturday. Cannot cannot wait to watch those games. They will be a lot more enjoyable if Mississippi State wins the Egg Bowl on Thursday. Because we'll still be in football mode, right? We'll still enjoy watching those games. Because, you know, if you're like me, and I know some of you are, once Mississippi State season is over, or once the teams that I'm cheering for like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Once Pittsburgh is out of the playoffs, football season is officially over for me. I don't really care about the rest of it. I don't care about the Super Bowl. I don't care about the Pro Bowl. I don't care about the playoffs. I've moved on. And so it would be nice to win that ball game on Thursday, which would make Saturday that much more enjoyable because we would still we'd still be football mode here at Mississippi State. I'm not quite ready to go full all in for basketball. Not that we're not playing well. I want to remind you guys to Campus Bookmart, the absolute best place in Starkville and around the globe to order your maroon and white merchandise. You can find their fine selections right near campus at the traditional Campus Bookmart location right there off campus. You know it's where you got your textbooks and many of you commuters park for free behind there. If you can't make it to town to go by and see Stan the Man and Kathy Brown and the lovely, talented Susie, and I saw them all on Saturday, Susie is more talented and more lovely than ever. Go by and let them know that I sent you. But if you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Let's talk a little hoops here. By the time many of you listen to this, the women will have uh, played tonight, but let's recap what happened over the weekend first. I felt that Mississippi State did exactly what they needed to do short of winning the entire thing at the Myrtle Beach Invitational. On Thursday, as you guys know, they took care of business, knocked off Tulane, 80-66. to Friday, we take on Villanova and gave them all they wanted and then some despite the fact we didn't have Nick Weatherspoon. If we have Nick Weatherspoon, we win the ballgame. And I don't say that to be critical of Nick. I'm just that I'm trying to be an encouragement here. Mississippi State had an exceptional ball game. Robert Woodard, an exceptional ball game. 
just didn't have a defensive stop for Jeremiah Robinson Earl, number 24 for Villanova. He scored 22 points. State's best on-the-ball defender is Nick Weatherspoon. Nick Weatherspoon might limit him to 15, 16 points. That's the difference in the ballgame, guys. That's the difference in the ballgame. Thought State went out and played well. Tyson Calder goes for 22. Reggie Perry for 18. 10 rebounds for him. Robert Woodard, some absolute gorilla monster jams. Eight rebounds, 17 points. Just I, I love the, the ferocity that Robert Woodard plays with. He is an absolute monster. He attacks the rim like you want everybody to do. You know what I'm saying? It's like there were times last year watching the guys and they were a little bit younger and they didn't always go up strong. Well, Robert Woodard understands the purpose of attacking that rim. He is an intimidating presence when he has the ball in his hands. It is a lookout below mentality. We're going to find out pretty quick how teams want to defend Mississippi State when Robert Woodard gets the ball in the paint because he's going up and he's going to get the heave and harm more times than not. Iverson Molinar, nine points in that ball game. And again, State's right there with them throughout the game. Led several times. Really thought we had a chance to win the ball game. The lead changed seven times total, tied five. I mean, this is a competitive ball game, and State's not at full strength. I was very encouraged in the loss. Not that I believe in moral victories, but I felt like we learned a lot. I was what I was afraid of. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? I feel really good about this team, but if we go up there and get beat by 30 by Villanova, maybe we're not near as good as we think we are. And then we go up there, they were at the time, I guess, number 15, number 16 team in the country, and uh, we absolutely go and just go toe-to-toe with them. And so I think we learn a lot about them. I think Robert Woodard is becoming a star. I think you know what you've got in Reggie Perry. And uh, just that much closer to being at full strength, it's encouraging. And so and we come back and we bounce back from the first loss of the year and we take on uh, Coastal Carolina and really, really dominated the game from the beginning. It's a 41-23 game at the half and then State outscores them 40-33 in the second half, 81-56. to Again, Tyson Carter, 19 points. Four rebounds, Reggie Perry, 16 points, just to three boards this time. And it's not going to be a double-double every night. You know, people are going to make a concerted effort to try to keep him off the glass, and sometimes he's he's going to get in some foul trouble and, and have to be a little more careful. Uh, we didn't have double-digit scoring from Robert Wooder, but you get 10 rebounds again. And again, Robert is a highlight reel. He's a guy that will go up, block your shot. He's a guy that's going to heave at home. And, and again, he is becoming – a star in the SEC right before our eyes. I can't wait to see what he does once we get into conference play. Uh, Iverson Molinar, just six points this time. Got in some foul trouble. Had to spend some time on the bench. DJ Stewart comes off the bench. He gets 11 points. You feel good about his contributions. And again, I, I for the first time in a long time, I don't see Mississippi State basketball as a team I see Mississippi State basketball as a program, and I believe the program is on very solid footing right now for the first time in a long time. So State wins that game, and then uh, on a little bit of a hiatus now, now 6-1, and one, the Bulldogs will enjoy the Thanksgiving break and be back in action at Humphrey Coliseum December 5th against Louisiana Tech. Many of you continue to ask, Steve, 
How many more games for Nick Weatherspoon? Well, we have played seven games. He has three games left. He will miss Louisiana Tech. He will miss the trip to Newark, New Jersey. You know, that's the Never Forget Tribute Classic. Very glad Mississippi State's a part of that again. We'll play Kansas State in the Prudential Center, and we'll come home and play Radford. And for all of you that plan to go see Mississippi State play that Christmas game in Jackson, that's December 22nd in the Mississippi Coliseum, that'll be the return of Nick Weatherspoon. Barring something totally unforeseen. But by that time, the suspension will be lifted and he will be active and ready to go. And if you follow him on social media, he is counting down the games. And we are counting down the games because I believe, again, for the first time, we have a really, really good basketball team. And I think we have a chance to have a special season once Nick Weatherspoon gets going and uh, we kind of get him up to speed. I think we're going to really surprise some people once we get through the non-conference portion of the schedule. And, uh, you know, really good chance State's got to, you know, will be, you know, what, 9-2, and 10-1. and one. I mean, I think there's a possibility. I mean, you certainly expect to beat Radford, New Mexico State, uh, and Kent State. That Kansas State game on a neutral floor, you never know exactly how those things are going to work out. But, uh, you know, Kansas State is one of those teams, too, that uh, not, not always a power, but they're not always a pushover either. And so, uh, you know, just looking at them and looking to see what they've got going on, uh, you know, they're a team that, uh, you know, has some talent. They're also a team, too, that uh, has been a bit up and down at times. But looking at their uh, their men's basketball schedule, they're currently undefeated at 4-0. So this this will be a, a team that's, that's gotten used to winning. They are going to see – let me look at the numbers here. They're going to play tonight against Pittsburgh in the semifinals of the Rocket Mortgage uh, by Quick and Long, Fort Myers tip-off event down in Fort Myers, and they'll play again on Wednesday against Bradley Northwestern, and then they'll have FAMU, Marquette, and Alabama State before they play Mississippi State. So there's a lot of basketball between now and then, but currently 4-0. So that's a quality opponent. But when you begin to kind of project this non-conference schedule, you begin to think, okay, State has a chance to get through the non-conference with one, possibly two losses, and then get ready to host Auburn on January 4th, and that will give Nick three games to kind of get back into the flow of things. I think everybody feels good about the direction of this program, and when you begin to think about adding Nick back to the mix, especially on the defensive end, it's going to be a different deal. I don't think there's any question. I, I mean, it's like last year we were hoping to make the tournament, We all and we all tried to kind of convince ourselves, oh, we're a tournament team, we're a tournament team. Hey, this is a tournament team. I don't think there's any question. I think they have the look of a tournament team. They can score from all five points on the floor. They play great defense. They'll get after you and rebound. Really, really like the look of this men's basketball team. So please come out. Come be a part of it. Come to Humphrey Coliseum. They're a fun team to watch. You know what gets kids on their feet? You know, the alley-oops, the dunks, the block shots. Your kids are going to want to come see these guests play. And you should, too. All right, so the ladies, uh, they went out to beat Jackson State last Thursday. We covered that on Friday's show. Tonight, by the time many of you listen to this, they will be playing uh, at Marquette in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on their way to Canada. That Marquette team, historically, has been a pretty good, uh, pretty good program. They're a team that uh, routinely makes the NCAA tournament uh, for the women. We have played them recently. They are, uh, they're a three-in-one team this year. Uh, their wins, Loyola, Maryland, 88-53. They beat Purdue, 65-55 in Milwaukee. And then they uh, lose to Wisconsin in Madison. And they took down Robert Morris, 66-62.
if you'll notice, not a lot of points scored in these ball games. Not a lot of points. And I'm just sitting here. I just quoted you the men's schedule. So I apologize for that. Incredible. Let me go back and look at this. The wrong side of things. The women's side of things. Pardon me. Forgive me. The women are 4-1. and one. I was sitting there looking at their schedule thinking they don't have someone's schedule. All right, so the women, the women are 70-48 winners against Morgan State. 92-71 wins of St. Francis College of Brooklyn. Uh, and then 58-41 winners over Illinois State. They lose to Northwestern in Milwaukee, 64-56. They take down Wisconsin Green Bay, 60-47 on Tuesday. And this is the winter hat giveaway for uh, uh, for Marquette. They're gonna you know, they're throwing the winter hats on the floor and they're gonna scoop those things up. So it is promotional night. You can watch that game. It is streamed on the Marquette website. It is not available on your app, from what I understand, but you will be able to stream it uh, through the Marquette website. So be, be sure to go over there and check that out. So uh, we're going to get ready to get out of here. Again, I want to thank you guys, as always, uh, you know, for being here and listening to the show and your patronage. We, it has been a fantastic first couple of weeks of the book tour. Uh, for those of you that are unaware, so we had a huge number of uh, pre-sales for Flim Flam. We did really well for Start Villains pre-sale wise, but not quite as many as Flim Flam. But Villains is outselling Flim Flam in the stores by large margin. Very, very happy with that. I spent, uh, let's see, let me back up a second. So Saturday morning, I was at Campus Bookmark, big numbers there. I was at the live Saturday afternoon, big numbers there. Thank you all for that. And then on Sunday, one to three at Barnes & Noble in Richmond. And guys, I'll be honest with you, when we had the Flim Flam book signing, it was just decent. It was just a decent, and then I had an old Miss guy come by and shoot me the finger too. That was back during the Flim Flam signing. Uh, no vulgarities this time, just a lot of great Bulldog fans, including Boneyard listener Charles Hill out of Florida. Joked that uh, he had driven the farthest just to get the book, no, which he, he had, and he actually had kids in the area. But it was a fun visit, and so many of you came to visit. Uh, and that's one. That's the fun part for me. There's so many of you guys and gals that uh, are have been so incredibly supportive of me we had a big, big signing. Matter of fact, I got ready to leave, and the people at Barnes & Noble wanted to know when I wanted to come back. And so uh, we're going to go back and do that at some point soon. This week, it's a little different. I don't have any book stuff Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Thursday, I will be at the Lodge, uh, I guess, from uh, the time they open until around 4 o'clock. So at the Lodge on Thanksgiving, I will spend. I will have Thanksgiving dinner with John and that great crew at the Lodge. And so if, uh, if you're coming to the Egg Bowl, please come by. Uh, pick up your Stark Villains books, and you can leave them in the car. And then on Friday, for Black Friday, I will be downtown at Book Martin Cafe pretty much the whole day. I'll be there early, and uh, we'll sign books as long as we're selling books. And uh, looking forward to that. And then uh, next, then that's when things get crazy. And then then it's December schedule, and I'll announce those as we do them. We've got some big events coming up. Looking forward to that. As we get later in the week, I'll go ahead and uh, begin to let you guys know some of those dates as they kind of finalize those details. They pass them on to me about a week to 10 days out, so I can kind of prepare. But uh, So we got three signings, pardon me, two signings this week, Thanksgiving Day at the Lodge, and then Friday, Book Martin Cafe. So all of you Black Friday shoppers that are going to come to the uh, Starkville area downtown, you can come by and see me and pick up those books. And guys, Christmas is going to take place a month from now. Today is November 25th. It's a month from now 
And so if you are a person that can't make it to a book signing, or you're a person that uh, you know lives in an outline area, not in state, you can order the book at starkvillainsthebook.com. And while you're there, you can order Flim Flam. I now have complete control of Flim Flam. Very happy to have that book back on the market. And everywhere I go, people are still talking about Flim Flam and buying Flim Flam. Uh, we sold about a case of Flim Flam on Saturday, which uh, sounds kind of weird, I don't know, a case of Flim Flam, but um, it's doing well. So again, thanks so much for your support. Uh, I have shared with you guys some of my plans. Uh, I'm about to sign the contract this week on Stark Villains 2 and 3. And so we're beginning to kind of get an idea of what Stark Villains 2 looks like. I spoke with Jim Ellis today to get some ideas from him on some baseball stories and some people that perhaps would uh, would be good interviews uh, to add to that book. And uh, I have spoken with some other people and uh, had a chance to visit with Rafael Palmero on Saturday. And it's so good to have him and Lynn really be so plugged into the Mississippi State family again. You know, Rafael Palmero is absolute royalty for us. And uh, he has been back. You know, he came back for the statue unveiling last year. Saw him at uh, Fort Worth at baseball. He threw out the first pitch. And then he came to Texas A&M. And then they came back for some things here. And then we saw Rafi in Omaha. And uh, Rafael Palmero at the team hotel, welcoming Mississippi State fans, taking pictures. It is so great to have him so plugged in. And uh, so I just asked him, I said, hey, Rafa, it's great to see you. I had a chance to see him a lot during this baseball season and say, hey, man, I would, I, here's the new book and I would love, I'm going to write a sequel and I would love for you to be a part of it. He didn't even hesitate. He's like, sure, man, I'm, I'm happy to do it. And uh, I think our fans need to hear from him. You know, he is a guy that, uh, again, that I'll share with you is absolute royalty. And you all feel that. And uh, some great memories for us, man. I, I began to think about how great those 85, that 85 and 89 teams were, you know, some of the best in our, our history. But, you know, we're living through some really good baseball days now. And uh, on Tuesday, the plan is Tuesday, I will have the Chris Lamonis Q&A up on uh, Gene's page for our VIP subscribers. Kind of a state of the program discussion with Chris, and I think you'll enjoy reading that. But, uh, again, big things ahead, man. There's a lot, there's a lot of things happening. Uh, but before we get to all that, we're going to – enjoy the, the start villains book tour and hopefully we're going to enjoy thursday night hopefully we're going to enjoy a bulldog victory i know many of you this is the game it's like you think about all year because the fear of losing it kind of exceeds the joy of winning it i know i grew up with it too i am not just some uh, bigger scribe passing through looking for the next stop on the uh, career path uh, I, I rise and fall with every one of you guys when it comes to uh, the Bulldogs. And so when they lose, I feel it like you guys do. Uh, and when they win, I feel like you guys do. And I enjoy telling the Mississippi State story. It is one of the greatest joys of my life to be able to do that. And it's because of the fact, I think people like myself and uh, and Dave Murray and many others that have been around Mississippi State Athletics most of our lives, it's important to us because it's important to you. And you're important to us because we share a common cause. And that is to see Mississippi State uh, athletics move ahead. Well, again, that's going to do it for today. I'll be back on Wednesday. We'll preview the Egg Bowl. We'll look and see what Ole Miss brings to the table. We'll talk about what Matt Luke had to say about the Bulldogs, and then uh, we'll get ready for uh, for Turkey Day. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.